everyone, and welcome to Downton Gabby. We're talking about the season finale, a big long one in Scotland. Um, I'm Rachel Horowitz in Oakland. I'm Shannon Bowen, also in Oakland. I'm Brandi Sperry in Los Angeles. And I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. So they call this, you guys refer to it as the Christmas special. And so I actually, when I was watching it the other night live, I kept feeling like, this doesn't seem like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I, in the UK, they air it on Christmas Day. They want families oh to huddle around and watch Matthew bleed on the street. And that's, <laughs> that's the Christmas so horrible. Spirit. It's a horrible... Happy Christmas, motherfuckers! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy. Brandy did our notes this um, podcast. So, Brandy, maybe you can help us figure out where to start. Because the ending is so... It was shocking to me. I know some people knew that the actor, what's-his-butt, was trying to get out of the show. But I actually didn't see it coming. I Well, I knew that he wasn't doing the show, but I was... I wasn't sh- I wasn't sure if they're going to recast him or kill him off, but when they kept having all of those like Matthew is the best person in the world speeches and the whole yeah. him and Mary scene, which you know made me kind of want to puke, it was like oh they're totally committed. <laughs> I mean, it was just like this is the most obvious goodbye, you know. Even the cutting back to them in the saloon, you know, it's just ridiculous. In the saloon, <laughs> oh right, right. I'm thinking where when were they in a saloon? Wasn't just um yeah i think it's i think it's ridiculous i went off on a little bit of a rant and i was like there's just no reason to really have to kill him i know i think it was punishment for the actor seriously like if he wouldn't commit to coming back sometimes like then you can never ever come back it's just weird i started like complaining about how you know they let George Clooney leave ER and they didn't kill Doug and they, they, later we got to have a great episode where Juliana Margulies and him got together and it was beautiful and it was fine and I was just like you didn't have to kill him so angry people on the internet were pretty outraged like pissed and one point that I read that I totally agreed with was if they had to kill him I just thought to Shannon's point, the way they killed him was totally uncalled for. Like, the very last scene of this big, giant episode, we don't even get to see the family's reaction, you know? Like, the burden is totally put on the viewers right. to, deal, to deal with the emotions and not on the writers to sort of work that out. Um, and it's just, Yeah, it's, it's really, really strange. And the, I thought I did – it wasn't shocking. I did find all that weird – isn't life crazy the way it turns out so perfectly sometimes? As if nothing could possibly go wrong ever. Oh my god, it was like a bad musical or something. And then he's in the car and he looks like a dog who's put his head out his window, you know, <laughs> just waving in the breeze. I mean, it was pretty silly. <laughs> Let me lean back and close my eyes as I drive <laughs> through these windings. God, Matthew, haven't you seen City of Angels? You have to watch the road. <laughs> This is City of Angels. <laughs> the, new, <laughs> the new mom in me, too. I just looked at my husband. Like, I'm telling you, I have some serious mom hormones going on at this stage. And I looked at my husband and I was like, see, that's why we need to buy a Volvo. <laughs> I thought that, that it was surprisingly graphic for Downton Abbey. I mean, having that blood pouring out of his brain and 
you know, lying there with his eyes open. And I mean, I know that Julian Fellows had to like put the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, by proving that, you know, Matthew was dead, dead, dead. But it's gross. Yeah, I took away from it like, oh, is he dead? When I saw the car and the guy comes over the edge of the cliff and then, yeah, all the blood and gore was like, I okay, they want me to know he is very dead. <laughs> Not coming back. Yeah, it's interesting after the war that this is actually the goriest scene I think we've seen on the show. Well, yeah, by far. Has I mean, what else? I mean, have we seen anything? A child birth is pretty gory. A drop of blood ever before on the show. Yeah. Well, it it felt even more tragic because he had all this great good fortune, random good fortune this season. Yeah. You know, with coming into money and a convenient letter that Lavinia left and a baby boy. Yeah, his luck literally ran out. Literally. And right. he, the guy was on a roll. It feels so weird. But yeah, I, I really liked the in the previous episode how everyone was getting along and Matthew was sort of becoming the new kind of lord of the future. I did like lord that. The, lord I don't know future. that I'll really miss the character because I think he had kind of run his course as far as what he could develop personally. But I think he was playing a crucial role in keeping the rest of the characters all together, you know? And the way that Mary reacts to being married is really interesting. Um, Everything that he did to help Branson out was a big deal. I don't know if they just feel like there wasn't anything more that he needed to do. But, you know, Edith has lost her champion now. I mean, I think this... I think he was serving a lot of functions that they're going to have to awkwardly replaced somehow yeah he was the glue and i just don't think rose is gonna do it no because <laughs> well, well we lost sybil and it does feel like the young people are dying off you know mm-hmm. like in somebody that- referred to them as as the the edwardian kennedys <laughs> oh jeez. oh god yeah yeah <laughs> who's next <laughs> I love how that yeah. comment sca- scandalized us. I I think that um I, I think that a lot of people were just like super pissed off and I feel I feel I felt a little bad for Twitter handle that Dan Stevens, you know, because yeah. he was probably getting a lot of hate. Yeah. <laughs> thrown his way. And even I tweeted that he damn well better have a contract to be the next James Bond. Yeah, I did <laughs> like that tweet. But I I think I think it's good. Because I'm excited to see how this opens up Mary's world. And uh, one of the um, reviews, and I posted it on our Downton Gabby Twitter, please check it out, viewers, um, was talking about how this, you know, Mary's always had to do her duty to Downton. Well, she's done it. She literally said she's done it. You know, she has an heir. She's finally free to do whatever it is she wants to do. Sybil and Edith have already had that chance. So... Hopefully we'll get to see her blossom. I Is anybody else worried that since there's only one little baby boy that like something bad could happen to him? Well, yeah. I you know that phrase, the heir and the spare? <laughs> the spare heir. Oh, yeah. snap. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a little worried. 
It's fine. They'll just bring Patrick back. It'll be fine. <laughs> Patrick. That's going to be Rose's love interest. Okay, so it ends with Matthew's untimely death, super gory, but we need to back up. And they're going to, they're packing their bags and they're going to Scotland to see this human being called Shrimpy. Yeah. I loved the castle. I loved the grounds. I mean, I just ate it up. It was great. It was so pretty. Yeah. I mean, I kept thinking when watching Shrimpy and his wife bicker, it was a, it was more like how not to flirt because one of them would try and say like a joke or something nice and the other one would take it the wrong way. I mean, it was just crazy miscommunication going on there. I mean, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but I am glad that Susan, yeah, she was... She was a little bit one note, like dour, cold, asshole wife Mm -hmm. that makes everyone miserable. And she even like physically is manifesting that she just looks bad. I was glad at the very end when she has her moment with um, Lady Grantham that they give her a little bit of humanity. Yeah. And she's like, could you speak well of me just sometimes? That was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I was a little concerned, but I love Brandy's note, they're in some kind of royal hate marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come on. Like, there's no way to speak in front of guests. You need to rein it in, guys. Come on. I was very surprised at how rudely they were behaving, basically. Um, Because aren't you supposed to be polite and swallow all your feelings all the time? That's what Violet says. Yeah. Yeah. So... I was quite surprised at this this brazen display of hostility between them. Well, it so. does seem like they have a lot of history that they're, you know, like family. So, oh. which I thought they did a good job of layering in so it wasn't so heavy handed. I mean, in the beginning when they're like, why haven't we been there? Well, the last year and the years before we were busy. It was like, wow. All right. That's a way to explain. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get there. <laughs> Let's talk about O'Brien and her evil twin Wilkins. Sorrow <laughs> O'Brien. Well, I mean, this is just like... Her new... <laughs> there was some speculation about whether they would end up in bed together by the end of the episode. Ugh, I don't need to see that. What a dumb scheme, though. Her whole scheme was spiking the punch. O'Brien could smell that from across the room. Yeah, really. She doesn't know who she's dealing with. She's like, this is my first rodeo, lady. <laughs> That right. that cup is spiked. <laughs> Here, give it to Mosley. <laughs> yeah, Mosley. Oh, my Mosley. goodness. Drunk Mosley. Now I read that that um, Siobhan uh, Finneran is not coming back for season four. <gasps> so she is going to the Orient. Well, it's nobody's been talking about this at all. But I did read this one story which said that. Um, Sybil, O'Brien, and and Matthew were all not signed for season four. I think, okay, because I was discussing this with a coworker today, that I think that the series has to end with a dramatic takedown of O'Brien. So if she just leaves to go to India or whatever, that's not, that doesn't, isn't in line with the arc of the story. I mean, it could just be a contractual thing. It Just because she doesn't have her contract yet doesn't mean she's not coming back, you know. Because it seemed like she wanted to go to India. I mean, they set up a lot of stuff in motion. Well, I think her and Susan would get along well. They both kind of hate life a lot, so. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew O'Brien was so good at hair? I guess I never caught on to that. 
I think that's the main part of her job is doing hair. Yeah, I never I, I never credited Cora's great looks to O'Brien in my mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it is. Well, the the show opens with O'Brien and Anna talking about what they're bringing for hair. So were you guys more um, sympathetic, empathetic to Rose? This? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. After seeing all this. Like, who wouldn't be completely trying to cut loose in London if you're, like, <laughs> stuck in that house all the time? I, I, love, the, I love the dowager when um, she doesn't really see anything that wrong with her outfit when she's coming down the stairs. She's kind of a cool, cool aunt. But she, in my day, I wore the crinoline or whatever she says. And the leg of mutton sleeve. <laughs> what is that? That sounds kind of gross. A leg of mutton sleeve? Oh, that's when it's really wide at the shoulder down to the elbow, and then it's very narrow from the elbow to the wrist. Oh. It's yeah. very modern, Shannon. It's very modern. <laughs> Me. <laughs> They're wearing it in all the jazz clubs now. I do love when the dowager says, I don't want to be accused of being modern. No, poor Rose. I mean, she, she's got parents who hate each other. She's living in the middle of nowhere with, like, a whole bunch of really not very fun servants, as far as I can tell. Who does she talk to? I mean, I think she's really lonely. Yeah. And all the little scenes with her and Cora, they really had this little connection and Cora accepted her and it was very sweet. I like her secret smoking scene. Yeah. That was, that was such an angsty teenager moment. (laughs) No. And then Carson gives her Altoids. I just only in TV world does a mint actually cover up the smell of cigarette smoke. Right. You're still gonna smell like smoke. Girl, I these magical mints in real life. Brandy, that is exactly what I thought. It was like, girl, I have been there, and that is not gonna do it. (laughs) Bates offering Rose a mint was like the high point of his and Anna's dramatic arc. I think in that show. (laughs) I I think like are they just getting more and more boring? I'm not sure how much. You guys. The, the the picnic literally made me want to kill myself. Like the picnic, I couldn't. I died inside during that picnic. But they had beer. 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 Yeah, that's not enough beer, guys. <laughs> so this is enough beer for me. I don't know what you brought for you. Who who brought up the the weirdness of her learning to dance when Bates yeah. like can barely walk. I think that's so weird. I was like, am I wrong? Is this a sweet gesture? To, to me, it's like, hey, look over here. Well, look what I can do. But you can't. <laughs> like, you'll never get to do this with me. Isn't that horrifying? I mean, Well, what I kept thinking during that scene is I've never seen a romantic dance scene where one person is dancing with other people for the other person, and it's not a ballet movie. So, it's creepy. <laughs> Or like yeah. a stripper movie. <laughs> yeah. When, it when was really he, strange. When he and Mary are like, isn't she wonderful? Oh, she's amazing. She's literally just like bouncing up and down in the middle of a circle. Look, as a dance teacher, it's not that good. Okay. <laughs> I was like, kind of. Speaking of people who are out of their element, let's move on and talk about Edith and cute editor Michael Gregson, I think is what his name is. Mr. Rochester. Yeah. Mr. Rochester and Rachel, I see you wrote in the notes. It doesn't look like a younger version of Sir Anthony, which I'm pretty sure we said last week when you weren't here. Oh, did you? Yeah. He still looks pretty old to me. I was examining that today and he still looks pretty old. 
I'm still going to call him cute editor because he seems just like so like it's like an overall vibe. Like he's like a puppy. Cute editor brought his rod and his pencil. <laughs> I don't know why. That sounds so dirty. <laughs> Fun. Um, but but now, so what's happening is Edith going to uh, embark on a life of mistresshood? Why not? I mean, I'm rooting for her to, you know, have a mistress time. Well, I'm always rooting for, for Edith, of course, but it's like, I'm a little shocked. It's not very, I, it's just not striking me as all that romantic, actually. I don't know, though. I mean, you know, Edith needs to break out, and it is, I, I just see her next season in that same jazz club, shaking her ass. You know what it is? It's that this guy has baggage, which to me, like, ages him, emotionally ages him. Mm. Just like Sir Anthony. And I guess, Teresa, just like you, I hoped for Edith, I want to see her with, like, a vibrant, young, baggage-free spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Although I'd love to watch a little mini series that is their romance for the last year, because it's been a year since the last episode. And when he says, you know, I love you. And she's like, well, I believe you do. Which it's like, well, what happened? So you knew I that. Know. Like, what happened? It's I so cruel. It. Well, she must have stayed writing. She must have been writing for the last year. Just a lot of late nights with the typesetting, the romantic typesetting that had to go on. <laughs> He wipes oh, yeah. the ink from her cheek. Exactly, exactly. I don't know. I just feel like I don't want to. I don't want to watch her get dragged into an unfair situation. I really don't want to struggle through a storyline where she was like knocked up out of wedlock or something. I just don't want. I can see nothing but bad things coming from this. Mm. You know. Agreed. Here, here. Well, I mean, it didn't work out well with the Branson Sybil thing. I mean, after she married him, we really felt like she lost herself and so and that was a weird power dynamic and they didn't really know each other very well so I think it's good to fear that same thing for Edith but you know who's looking great on this episode is Mrs. Patmore in her new blouse Mrs. Patmore okay so I realized watching this episode that Mrs. Patmore reminds me of Dr. Bailey on Grey's Anatomy oh yeah where she can be like kind of hilarious but then also like take everyone to task as well yeah no nonsense i really want to see like a youtube mashup of all of mrs patmore's outfits with vogue playing over it (laughs) (laughs) oh that guy was awful that was was... so awful i loved i just loved the the mrs hughes i've got your back girl That was classic and lovely. And we just, we rarely get to see good female friendship moments like that. I mean, I love that she was honest. Mrs. Hughes was honest. And she's like, look, this is not good. You know, because you don't see that a lot. Don't you hate it in shows like this when the Mrs. Hughes says, I saw him, he was doing this. And the Mrs. Patmore character gets mad at the truth teller girlfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. I think this happens on ABC Family shows a lot, <laughs> and it's like it was so refreshing to see like a grown up like don't shoot the messenger. Obviously, she's not jealous, you know. Right. I loved how she just believed her and was thankful and even relieved. It was so cute. Yeah, watching their friendship, you know, 
Mrs. Patmore going with Mrs. Hughes to the doctor's appointments and now Mrs. Hughes looking up for Mrs. Patmore. I mean, this is becoming one of my favorite relationships and two of my favorite characters on the show. And I feel like Mrs. Hughes especially was kind of a doormat before. Like, I don't know, she just really wasn't anything distinct. And this season has just made them both come to life. Love them. Uh, I like that in Brandy's notes that you were like, uh, wanted them to do our spinoff crime fighting series or something. Yes, I think I talked about this before. I want them to be detectives, like Murder, She Wrote style, and then every week ends with a giggly tea time like that, and it's just great. I would also watch a show about Mrs. Patmore dating. (laughs) (laughs) Like The Bachelorette, but with Mrs. Patmore. Yeah, just like, you know, she's like Sex in the City without, you know, all the other stuff, but she just dates new guys each week. Well, it's kind of impressive, like... You know, seeing Maggie Smith, she's such a scene stealer. It they, These two have become kind of scene stealers together. I just love the way Mrs. Hughes was like, girl, he's a player. Yeah, he's a total player playing off her Vogue shirt, trying to get he's her like pâtés. He's like sticking his fingers in her pie. Yeah. Ew. Disgusting. <laughs> everything he did, everything he did grossed me out. Like, the way he behaved mm-hmm. in the kitchen was disgusting right off the bat. The way he was kissing those young girls I made me sick. You know what is even more annoying? Edna, the new housemaid. God. Oh. I can't believe she did not get bitch slapped. She needed a bitch slap. Oh, my God. Edna, that whole Edna thing was, I couldn't, I just couldn't watch it. What is it with those fucking maids? Don't they talk to them before they start and say, upstairs guys, off limits. You will also, be fine. he's a widow with a baby. Control yourself. But we got to see Tom without a shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I liked your note. I liked your note in there. Rach likey in all caps. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking about you and your crush on Branson because he was looking really good this episode in his suits with so, his suits. Um, do you guys think him and Mary will fall in love? No. Okay, no, me neither. That's weird. <laughs> that was like a really strong no. <laughs> yes. I don't no, I can't see it. I feel I feel like because they put him and Edith in the same room together speaking, I thought, oh no, foreshadowing him and Edith. But I don't see that either. Oh. I see Rose and Branson together. Oh good lord, really, you think? They're both rebels. Uh. So moving down the list of awkward flirtations in this episode, uh, <laughs> Dr. Clarkson makes a move on Isabel, and it's very weird. So almost as weird as when Thomas made a move on Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when he chugs that glass of punch, you know, to get the courage to go talk to her. And I love even more how she has no clue. No clue. I think she has a clue. I think she's pretending not to have a clue to help him save face. I but when they when we saw them together like at first in her house, I was like, "This is genius! Why didn't I ever think of this? This is a perfect coupling." Isabel and the doctor sitting in a tree. Actually, I think she's totally oblivious. I don't think she was trying to deflect. I think she's oblivious too. I think she. I don't know. I mean, maybe she's just not interested in sex anymore. I think she is that girl in high school, you know, who's just oblivious. I, I think she has, 
she's so content and has like all these things going on in her life and these pursuits and thoughts like love isn't always at the forefront you know I was thinking I wonder if with Matthew's death and this is gonna rock her really hard because her son has been such an integral part of her life will that loneliness drive her to the doctor if so I hope probably I totally forgot about I keep thinking about how this is gonna impact Mary and Isabel that's very sad we're so cold they they have been you know a very close mother daughter um, excuse me mother son relationship so yeah it's gonna be really hard for her it will be a dark time but I also think there could be a very interesting dynamic now between Isabel and Cora like maybe they'll grow closer in their shared losses of children interesting. And- you know, that I would like to see the two of them sort of maybe go in together on a scheme like they did with turning Downton into the convalescent home or whatever. Like something meaningful that they could do to put these feelings to work would be interesting to watch. That's I never thought about that. That's a great idea. Still, it plays into Downer Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> Who tweeted oh. that? That was amazing. Oh, I read that somewhere. Yeah. And now it's a hashtag, and it's true. All this death, you guys, is just a little... I'm going to defend it. I think this is the best written season yet. I'm saying it. Really? Yeah, I think so. There were some... There's definitely some issues, and I definitely feel like this Matthew death thing was abrupt, and I always sort of bristle when it's clear that a storyline is being dictated by outer things rather than what the writers would really like to do with the characters. Yeah. But that's what happens in TV and anything where it's, you know, real people having to act the roles. But I, I've been very satisfied with this season overall, except for, like, Bates. But, you know, he's fun <laughs> to make fun of, so it's fine. Right. I mean, I one complaint I saw on a lot of reviews was a lot of the repeat storylines of, the, oh, the, you know, the slutty maid. Does Julian Fellows have any other ideas? Yeah, even that Cora's mom coming to town didn't turn out to be all that great, you know? That was really, she was on for one episode. All that built up for one episode. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely flaws, but I think comparing the seasons, I do think that this was really strong. Definitely stronger than season two. A case could be made for season one, I think. I was just going to say, I'm always a little, I think with all the death and sadness, I'm pretty nostalgic for season one. I loved the sisters in the house together and the youthfulness and the pre-war stuff and the Mr. Pamuk. Oh, yeah. Mr. Pamuk. <laughs> you know, He's the those... only one that died in season one. Oh, no, Patrick died. Sorry. Doesn't yeah. that scandal seem so lightweight compared to what we've been through since? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. But you guys, you know when Mary, what, something that confused me in this episode was all this talk about, between Mary and Matthew, about how awful Mary is. <laughs> and well, like, she was being a total bitch to Edith. I know. And it was weird because there was a point where Mary says to Matthew, like, do you promise you'll never view me the way Edith does? Well, Edith views you. And I'm like, but she views you because, that way because you're so awful <laughs> every time. I know. She's really horrid to her. I actually really, I kind of, I understood they were trying to give us these moments with Matthew and Mary before they were going to kill him, but I really wanted Matthew to say, you need to ease up on Edith. It's actually really harsh. 
Right. You need to be the better person here. So let's stop with the sad stuff and get to this fair, guys, which is probably the most fun that all these servants have ever had in their life. <laughs> Woohoo! Drinking, gambling, tugging, tugging. <laughs> and then getting the shit kicked out of you. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy kind of deserved it. Jimmy did deserve it, but you know what, guys? He's got a guardian angel for life. <laughs> Guardian stalker for life. <laughs> Would you raise your hand if you want Thomas to be your guardian stalker for life? I do. Yeah. I do. It was pretty brutal when he was really beat up at the end. and It it was very dashing when he kind yeah. of shows up. I was like, this is very dashing. And then it occurred to me that it was a little creepy. Like, what is he doing there? But <laughs> And then Jimmy just what runs away. Doing? Jimmy's such a little nerd all the time. Yeah, what is there even to like about Jimmy besides his dashing good looks? That face. <laughs> I guess he's allegedly good looking, but he doesn't I don't do know. it for me. He seems just a little smug. Like, yeah, he doesn't do it. He's no Branson. <laughs> he's no Thomas. I mean, come on. Yeah, I really think the best actor of this entire season is Thomas. I think he oh. he has just gone above and beyond he has been such a great actor and i love the end scene with him and jimmy just the quiet intimacy of it of just like you know making amends and then jimmy just reading the paper to him at the end i don't know it's just very simple and sweet and i really liked it so you're nominating that actor for the downton gabby most valuable player award for this i season. am oh definitely rob james collier i think is what his name is yeah um yeah, I think we're unanimous that he was the all-star actor of the season. I mean, there was really good work done by just about everybody. I know especially, like, um, Elizabeth McGovern actually got a nod of approval from us. Yeah, one um, episode. That's not getting get crazy. <laughs> as far as consistency and bringing to life something really complex, definitely Thomas is the MVP. Yeah. I agree. And I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Mrs. Hughes a a supporting best MVP. Yeah, yeah. Great. Especially for the cancer scare storyline, she did some beautiful work. I mean, yeah. it's also like Branson and Mrs. Patmore. A lot of downstairs. Yeah, team downstairs. Woo woo. Yeah, definitely team yeah. downstairs. But I what really is- I do think Jimmy is gonna come around and come out of the closet. I mean, I do think that he. I I want a steamy romance. I want to see it. You know, enough of this like shaming and stuff. Let's just I, get some groping in a corner. Let's I get know some. That, let's get some yeah. real romance going. Yeah, aren't there any stables around that people can make out in? Come on, totally hey, uh, stables. I I know that this group is you know we're quick to see sexualness <laughs> around every corner, <laughs> but I do think I felt a little. Not even sexual tension. I just felt some, you know, tenderness between them. Totally. Okay, so just before we move on, you guys, this tell me if this is my mom pregnancy hormones, because this literally made me cry. When little Sybil starts crying in her nursery and Carson has to go make her feel better and he's hanging with the baby, oh. I, started, I started bawling. Yeah. <laughs> And he was like, we have to have a little chat. It's really sweet. It was so, I like might start crying right now. It was so cute. It was, it was really cute. Good. It was fantastic. 
I'm kind of cynical about stuff like that, but it was cute. And that baby is freaking adorable. So it's yeah. a cute TV baby. Yeah. You've got giant Carson and tiny little Sibby <laughs> visually Pat. adorable. Her, her name is Pat. Please use it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then he wraps it up telling Mrs. Hughes, like, you don't have to be sentimental. And I was like, yeah, I'm with Carson. Oh, Carson and Mrs. Hughes, this episode, were out of control awesome. I loved them. They're a little tit for tat. I loved it. And I did enjoy the Bates and I picnic. I didn't want to say it at the time. Oh. What? No, <laughs> Shannon. Who are you? picnics. would shame you. I love picnics. It was cute. And there was that brook there. It was really, I loved it. It hmm. made me want to kill myself. <laughs> Well, I'll we'll have to agree to disagree on this. <laughs> Guys, if I become a Bates Anna fan, I might have to kill myself. Well, that brings us that brings us to predictions. I predict <laughs> in the next season Shannon becomes a Bates Anna fan. <laughs> God. You lose all sense of integrity. Ugh. Um, no, let's do it. Brandy, what do you think is going to happen next season? Oh, I have no idea. I feel like they could go to a lot of places from here. Um, I think we're definitely going to see a lot of Rose, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> no one else is. No, I like um, Rose. I like okay. Rose. Good. I'm with her. Good. Okay. Let's do this. Let's do this, Rose. I think I, I'm ready for a little new blood that's not a maid who's going to be summarily dismissed immediately. Um mm. And I don't know. I don't know how much of a time jump they're going to do, but I think we could see some interesting power struggles downstairs because they haven't done a ton with the fact that Bates is back and Thomas got this promotion and stuff. You know, they sort of set it up, but it didn't it hasn't gone anywhere yet. So that could be interesting as well. And what happened with Daisy and her and her farm? Yeah, I really want that to actually happen. I really want to see the running of a farm. I think it would be an interesting way to branch out and see more of the whole estate instead of just the house. And, and I would love for Alfred to go with her and they open a little B and B. I just think, I don't know. I just love it. Like, this is like the third time you've mentioned the B and B. I really <laughs> into it. I just think that those two have no chemistry, but whatever. <laughs> well, like that stopped any romance before on Downton Abbey. Come on. Alfred has no chemistry with anybody. He's an oaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what do you think's going to happen, Rachel? Okay, we open in a field and there are <laughs> there's two toddlers, a girl and a boy, and they're running around with flower wreaths in their hair, blowing bubbles, and then they pan out and it's the whole family and it's been like 3 years since Matthew died. And everyone's already dealt with it. So we don't have to go through more sadness. Mm. And I think my kind of, well, I, I think uh, Branson was sort of reluctantly into staying with the family and at the house forevermore because of Matthew almost. Right. And I wonder if there will be some tension, especially once the family is really attached to little Sibby as part of the household. If, you know, he does meet someone, maybe he meets an Irish woman or someone who sort of reminds him of his roots and maybe he wants to move on with his life. I think there could be an interesting storyline around him sort of 
moving on and finding love and potentially needing to move on from that house and yeah. his and his lost wife. Definitely. I really think that Isabel and Dr. Clarkson are going to get together. I really do. I think they're meant for each other. I think that would be nice. I would approve of that. And I like that he's not going for a younger woman. You know, I feel like a lot of times you see the older man going for a younger woman, but it's like they're the same age and that's wonderful. Let them have a little sweet romance. And she knows what it means to be a doctor's wife. Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean she knows how to play doctor? I haven't said anything all podcasts. I gotta slip that that in. But Isabel and the doctor, that's like talking about all of our parents. It's just (laughs) not. It's not. You just put the worst image in every listener's mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all bad. Everyone, when you think about love between Isabel and the doctor, think about your parents. <laughs> so I think Mary's going to do something crazy. I think she's going to have a hard time loving that child because, you know, it's going to remind her of Matthew. I think she's going to do something crazy, like run off to like Prague or something nuts. Prague? She might, Prague. Be, like, she might be a distant mom. She might be like, you know sort of throwback mom where the child gets all cleaned up and brought after tea for an hour. Yeah, but I don't think she's going to really love the child. Hmm. Interesting. She was only lovable when Matthew was alive. Seriously. I mean, I mean, we're going to see like bitch Mary come back, which I can't even look excited about. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So I don't have a prediction so much as I have a dream. Tell us. That that the, that the show <laughs> jumps forward in time to, like, 1937. Whoa. <laughs> and, like, the, like Sibby and, and baby Matthew are now teenagers. I was going to be like, are you just jonesing for Hitler to get there or what? Like, no. But, but, but seriously, like nothing happens in the 20s. There's nothing going on there. Look, we had cocktails this season. We had tiaras. We had jazz. Okay. Fine. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening. This, in the- I'm still holding out for the fascists to make their appearance. A girl can dream. They'll eventually get there. But this this show's so popular, they're going to really... They're not going to do one more season. They'll do, like, three more seasons, you know? Well, that concludes season three. I can't believe it. It'll be another very long wait, probably, until season four hits the U.S. But we know it's coming, right, guys? For sure. Definitely. For sure. Uh, for sure. So thanks for hanging with us this season. And in the meantime, you should follow us on Twitter, Downton Gabby, and we're on Tumblr, and we're on Facebook, where we will be sure to post news tidbits and other fun fan stuff around the show while we wait. So coming up next for the damsels, um, we did do Mad Femmes last year, but we want to do something a little bit different this year. So um, twice a month, we're, we're going to record like a feminist TV roundup. So all of our favorite shows, including Mad Men, Game of Thrones, Nashville, Girls, we're going to talk about them all and give you all of our rowdy feminist thoughts. So stay tuned. Every night in my dreams, I see you. I feel you, that is how I know you go on.
shout out to just some of our fabulous Twitter friends. Carol is cool, Allison can tweet, underscore Hillary, Unruly Andrews, Mill Manatee, Peace Bang, Shellburger, Maddie Rosero, Conlello, Kvox, Farron16, Frizzy Girl87, Erica C. Williams, Molly Jasinski, Mary Crawley, who knew she tweeted, Left Coast Owl, RM Silty, Vanessa Thought, Savvy Smith, Fitz500, K Snowboarder, and World of Downton. And I should also mention your damsels who tweet as Wee Brandy, Rachel Rad, Little Lady Brain, and Trixie Films. Near, far, where I